It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show, where we are redefining good business. Today, we're going to be talking with Dob Barron. Uh, this guy has an incredible resume. He's a best-selling author of several books. He is a international speaker at major conferences on the topic of leadership. Actually, Barron is one of Inc. Magazine's top 100 leadership speakers to hire. Uh, he embraces purpose-driven, authentic leadership which we love. Um, He's been speaking internationally for over 30 years now, um, so he really has a finger on the pulse. Um, So today we're going to talk about purpose, finding that purpose, okay, in your life. What does that mean exactly? And where does this leadership, this type of purpose-driven leadership take you? Um, This is a really exciting topic, and it leans into also building your brand because there's a lot of things that Dov has done, whether it's speaking, writing books, and all these other business development, um, you know, strategies that he's done and accomplished and has so much experience with that have helped him build his personal brand, uh, in order to serve more people. So he has some incredible insights and we're going to tap into those things in just a minute. Um, some other exciting news, two things, guys, one, the next edition of change creator magazine is a big one. We've been constantly refining how we design and the experience that we offer you guys within the app. And there's going to be a lot of new updates. We've been and talking with the app team, and there is going to be some exciting stuff. So hopefully that will be rolling out this month, if not July. Um, but the next edition is with Seth Godin, who is a global icon in the marketing space, the leadership space, the entrepreneurship space. This guy has been on stages around the world, and he has a ton of valuable insights to share. And we're going to break it down for you. It was an honor to get on the interview and chat with Mr. Godin. So this edition is coming out Friday, June 15th. So depending on when you're listening to this program, that is just a couple days away. Um, the other big news is we're changing the model of the app. So just as a first step into some of the changes we want to make, we're going to be opening up access. Actually, the access is completely open. Everything in the app is unlocked. So as soon as you subscribe, it's no longer the traditional model where you just get the new additions for the next year or month or whatever you subscribe for. All the back additions, all that content, interviews, insights, strategies, everything will be open to you. Think of it as a Netflix model. You subscribe, you get access to everything. And that's the way it's going to be moving forward, everybody. So when you subscribe, you're good to go. And as the app evolves, it'll get easier to organize the content, bookmark things. So we're working towards all that crazy technical stuff, um, but one step at a time, right? And last but not least, as we increase more frequency of content being distributed through the app and we enhance the experience uh, technologically and open up full access, there is a pricing update that's going to be taking place on June 14th. If you are already a subscriber, this will not affect you. You will stay at the current price. If you're not and you subscribe before June 14th, you will stay at that price. But after June 14th, the prices will change. Nothing groundbreaking to the bank account and we're giving you the most incredible and powerful and impactful content that we can find from people like Nobel Peace Prize winners, Tony Robbins, Seth Godin. So guys, strategies, tactics, inspiration, 
all at your fingertips, in your pocket, on all devices, and fully responsive for an easy reading experience. Nobody likes that pinch and zoom. Okay, guys, that's it for that. Those are the updates. Let's dive into this conversation with Mr. Barron and find out his thoughts on purpose and brand building. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Dove, welcome to the Change Creator Podcast Show. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you for inviting me, Adam. It's a pleasure and an honor to be here. I'm happy to serve. Yeah, I love that. And I appreciate you taking the time to be on the show. Um, You have an awesome uh, business program running with your podcast and all the other things you're doing. So we want to learn a little bit more from your experience in the leadership space and beyond. So why don't we just kick it off with a little bit of background for people, because I think you have a lot of background, but do a little nutshell, you know, summary for us. Uh, Okay, without sounding like I'm bragging. Uh, <laughs> Bra- brag away, man. This is your opportunity to brag. We need to know what's going on. Um, twice cited by Inc. as one of the top 100 leadership speakers in the world. Uh, named as one of the top 30 global gurus for leadership. Uh, the number one podcast in the world for Fortune 500 listeners. And Inc. made me our show the number one podcast to make you a better leader. Uh, author of many books, I think nine. Um, I speak internationally all over the world. Uh, I've spoken for the UN, spoken in Iran, spoken in Australia, in Europe, and of course in North America. Um, And work with high-level organizations and work with high-level individuals, whether those are entrepreneurs, athletes, entertainers, or CEOs, C-suite individuals, in helping them to find their purpose and break through to that next level that has got deep fulfillment as well as deep success. Excellent. I love it. So a number of things. I, I jotted some notes down. I got a number of, of areas that I want to tap into and kind of unpack. You're a, okay. You're a fast writer. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> Shorthand, very quick bullet points. And okay. Only I can read it. <laughs> good. <laughs> Thank you, Dr. Force. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Um, so the first thing is, listen, I want to talk about how you started getting into speaking engagements. You, it sounds like you've done a lot of speaking uh, domestically and internationally, um, but that all starts somewhere. And I think you know part of the, the journey for people listening here who want to grow their impact and their business is scaling their message, right? Um, mm. and, and, and it also could be a revenue channel, right? If you have the credibility, you get paid at, at some point because you can only do so many talks. It's, um, you know, you're trading your personal time for, for something. So so how did that start happening? What did you have to do to start being requested or to get your foot in the door for uh, initial engagements as a speaker? Uh, thanks for asking. That was uh, that began 34 years ago was my first speaking gig. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, it uh, was certainly not planned. I wasn't setting out to be a speaker at that point. I owned businesses and had owned businesses for many years before that. Uh, I'd been an entrepreneur since I was a kid. And in one of my businesses, I had a client who used to come in and we'd have these deep philosophical conversations because my background was um, in quantum physics, metaphysics, and psychology. And so we'd have these very deep conversations. Mm. And then one day he came in and said, I'd like you to come speak for my organization. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? And he's like, no, I want you to come talk to, to all my managers. He owned a national menswear company in Australia. 
And I was like, speak about what? And he goes, anything you want. And I'm like, yeah, come on, you're kidding. He goes, no, anything you want. And I said, I'm not a speaker. How long do you want me to speak for? And he said, an hour. I was like, what? Are you you crazy? And he's like, no, no. So he finally talked me into speaking for half an hour. Um, But he said, I have one condition. Now, I want to just give everybody a framework. This is 1984. And I'm in my early 20s. And uh, I had hair that looked like Louis XIII, so long ringlet curl hair that's past my chest, um, big earrings that you could hang parrots off. Um, <laughs> I've been a bodybuilder since I was 19, so, and being in my mid-20s and a bodybuilder, it's emphatic that people know that you're a bodybuilder by wearing clothes that are too small at that age. Uh, <laughs> I'm still a bodybuilder, but my wife is often like, it's summer, Dove. Why don't you wear short sleeves? No, I don't bodybuild for others. But in my 20s, I did. <laughs> so I, I was in tight T-shirt, I, um, designer stubble, big earrings, long hair, ripped jeans. Now, the interesting thing about it, that was not my uh, my look. I also wore beautiful suits. And the reason this guy knew me was because he used to make my suits. Mm. So I had to dress in these beautiful suits. So I dressed like, you know, like this guy who's showing off his build. And on this particular day, my hair was out. It was wild. And I was wearing the tight T-shirt and jeans. And he says, the one condition I have is that you show up looking exactly like you look today. And I'm like, but you know I've got suits. He goes, I don't want you to wear a suit when you look exactly like this. And I said, well, can I wear a ponytail? No, I need you to look just like this. Okay, he finally talked me into it. I agreed to get there. I get to this event. I put my head in the door, and there's this long boardroom table of all of these managers sitting around very tight suits and ties and, you know, looking pretty uptight. And they said, uh, you know, I sort of stuck my head in the door while he was speaking. He saw me, and clearly they did. And they were all giving me this, uh, what we call in the UK, the bugger off nod which is like bugger off in the wrong place, you know, like shifting their head to the side to quietly tell me to go away. And I smiled as instructed and waited. And then Steve, that was his name, introduced me. And he said, you know, welcome our speaker. And I stood up and went to the, to the front of the table and he walked to the back. And I don't remember what I said, but I remember, the, I remember my opening. And I just looked at them all and it was back in the, the days when the issue around racism was very big in Australia at that time with the people who were the native Aborigines of Australia. And I said, uh, I said, put your hand up if you're a racist. And as you can imagine, nobody put their hand up. <laughs> and I said, put your hand up if you would judge somebody by the color of their skin or the way they look. And nobody put their hand up. And I said, you're a bunch of freaking liars. Yeah. Every single one of you judged me by the way that I look. You decided what my worth was, what my value was. And the reason that I know Steve and he invited me to speak is because you make my suits. And what's more is if I walked into your store and I hadn't have been greeted by Steve and I would have been greeted by one of you guys, you would have lost a really good customer. And, you know, like jaws hit the ground and I look over at Steve and thinking, oh, you know, I'm dead in the water here. Um, cause I've just insulted all his managers and he's got a smile that is just massive. He obviously was far smarter than I was and he knew exactly where to go. So, um, you know, if the story ended there, I would be a hero, uh, because I was speaking very authentically. Yes. Um, but the story doesn't end there and I'm not a particularly a hero. 
because about three weeks later, Steve came back and said, hey, Alistair wants you to speak for his organization, another guy we knew. And I said, okay. So what did I do? I began to, I was excited, you know, I'd enjoyed myself the first time. I began to research speakers. And what I found out was that speakers were not as old as I was. They were much older. They wore blue suits, white shirts, and red ties. That was the uniform. So what did I do? I cut off my hair, gave myself some nasty-ass mustache that looked like a caterpillar had died on my lip. (laughs) Blue suit, white shirt, red tie, in uniform, and uh, failed miserably. Failed miserably, and I didn't. It took me, oh, you know, it took me about six years to work out why I'd failed because I'd given up being an authentic speaker. Yeah, really? So, speaking gigs were very difficult to come by right after that because I was about a message rather than about the truth. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and so, I, I guess now that you have obviously re engaged and continued doing speaking, you know, I always look at it as a way to build your personal brand, but also spread a very important message that you might have that others mm-hmm. can learn from. So, I, I, there's a, you know, one of the important things I do want to touch on is how has this now over the years, um, I guess, I guess, how how difficult have you found it to continue doing speaking, and what kind of value has it brought to your personal brand? Um, enormous value is what it's brought. Um, <clears throat> you know, I am speaking is just one of the ways that I get out there. As you know, Adam, I have a massive platform. I write for fifteen separate outlets. I have my own podcast. I'm on interviews a minimum of three times a week. Um, so I get out there a lot and, you know, that facilitates speaking and speaking facilitates, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a dog chasing his own tail. It's, you know, one supports the other. Um, and I think that speaking is a very powerful platform um, and it's becoming more and more and more competitive than it was even when I started. Um, however, um, There are a lot of very poor, very amateur speakers out there. And I'm not suggesting that people have to become highly polished, although certain amount of that is a good idea. But what is important is for you to know what your message is. And I'll give you an example. A lady contacted me many years ago, about eight years ago, and she said, you know, I want to be a professional speaker. Would you be willing to help me? And I said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you 15 minutes of my time to just see if I can assist you. And she said, okay. And she booked a time and, and we started and she came on and I said to her, she said, yeah, I want to be a speaker. Can you give me some guidance? And I said, certainly. And she said, what? I said, take a shower. <laughs> and she goes, what do you mean? I said, before you speak, shower. She's, so she giggles and goes, okay, that's a bit basic, but all right, good. And she says, do you have any other advice? I said, yep, wear deodorant. It gets pretty hot on stage. <laughs> and so she's like now sort of giggling, but she's uncomfortable. And she goes, no, I really want some good advice. And I said, that's great advice. <laughs> and she goes, I, I don't understand. I said, do not waste my time. Don't show up with your problem expecting me to have an answer and me for me to psychically know what your problem is. If you want to be a great speaker, come to another speaker and ask specifically what you want answers to. Be researched enough to ask an expert for the answers because here's the thing. When you get on stage, you are that expert. And if you get on stage and ask or or present generalized uh, uh, conversation like that, you're not serving anybody. 
So I said to her, so I as a speaker, I cannot serve you right now because you don't have a specific question. So as a speaker, you have to know what specifically am I answering? What is the problem I'm solving? If you don't know the problem you solve, then you're just up there to hear your own voice. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And so, I mean, that goes for anything, right? Like you want to be very specific, whether you're running a business that solves a problem for someone or you're speaking about a, um, you know, a problem that you're solving for people, just being very specific so that you have one, the right people in the audience. And two, there's actual uh, meat and potatoes to what you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a deeper level to this. So that's the surface level. But the deeper level to this is is if you're solving a problem because you can solve a problem, that's great. You'll probably make some money and you'll do okay. But you'll never have any fulfillment. Yep, exactly. So you've got to solve a problem that actually feeds your soul. So if I, you know, I can solve a million problems. And by that, I'm, I mean, like, you know, 30 odd years, 34 years of doing this, you can imagine my knowledge base is vast. And I can solve any number of problems. Most of them I can solve, but I have no interest in solving them because they don't fulfill me. It's, you know, I can tell you how to write copy. I know how to do that, but it doesn't enrich my life. So I want my work to be fulfilling to me and you. It's important that it fulfills us both so that when I see your lights come on, that makes me feel terrific because I know that I'm on purpose. And if your life is not on purpose, then you will have success. If you work hard enough, you will have success, but you'll never have fulfillment. Yeah, and that's I think that's really important to having a sustainable level of motivation and interest in what you're doing. You know, that that fulfillment when it lacks, this is why people, you know, um, either can become depressed or have a void in their life or they just want to leave their job. And, you know, we get people coming to Change Creator who are, you know, they've been working in their, their nine to five for many years, but now they're saying, I want to get into something more meaningful, something that matters to me, the social impact space, you know, all these things. And they don't know how to, um, but they spent a lot of time doing things just because it was what they were told they should do to make money and put food on the table. Absolutely correct. And you, you know, you're absolutely right. And it's, and you're of great service in doing that. Uh, but the caution that I want to put forward to people is that you want to get out of what you're doing. Terrific. But don't just jump into the next thing. You know, people go, Oh, you know, I want to be an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs are the new rock stars. Everybody <laughs> wants to be Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah. You know what? Maybe you're not made for that. And that's okay. Not everybody is an entrepreneur. It's high level of risk. It's a high level of stress. And, you know, people say, oh, you know, you can be an entrepreneur, you work your own hours. Let me tell you, if you become an entrepreneur, work your own hours, let me just tell you the hours you're going to be working, (laughs) about 100 hours a week. You know, you go, well, I'm just not getting paid enough. I only get paid 15 bucks an hour. Well, when you average out your hourly rate, guess what you're going to make? About half of that. You're going to make about half of that for a very long time. If anything. So here's the thing. Find out what sets you on fire. Not what makes you passionate. I don't give a shit about passion. It's irrelevant. Passion is a vehicle. It's not your purpose. That vehicle will eventually run out of fuel. The fuel for the vehicle is your purpose. 
Find out what sets you on fire at a deep level. What is it that you crave to serve? Who do you want to serve? What is the thing that you want to do in life? What is it you want on your tombstone? What is it you want people to be saying about you when you're dead? As opposed to he was passionate about golf or he was passionate or she was passionate about <laughs> something that doesn't matter. Yeah. Get the truth for yourself. And by the way, I'm going to give you a hardcore clue here that you might not like. And I realize I'm going to put off about 80% of the people right here. Are you ready? Because here it is. Do it. You want to find your purpose? Look into your pain. <laughs> That's right. Look at the shit you don't want to look at. That's where you'll find your purpose. You won't find it in your passion because that's the stuff that makes you happy. That is great. Nothing wrong with it, but it won't last. The fuel will burn. I do find, you know, when there's pain, frustrations with things, those things um, do come with a deep level of motivation when you face them and you try to contribute to solving those types of problems. Um yeah, it's true. And you see that too, um, with a lot of the people I've interviewed, you know, whether they're traveling and doing things, you know, it's, they come across something that jolts them because that travel experience is like a sensory overload and you immerse yourself in a culture or something. Um, and next thing you know, like it, that, what they saw or experienced was so painful to them and so, uh, unnecessary that they couldn't not do something about it. So it became their life mission. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great point because, you know, it, it's understanding that, you know, if you, if you, the thing that is going to, that really is going to tap into your purpose is when you see suffering that you want to end. So when I talk about, um, you know, what problem do you solve? L let me rephrase that. What suffering do you want to end? No, for some people, the suffering they want to end is that their friends, everybody they know is struggling in how to write copy. But for them, it's like, oh, I just, you know, I'm on fire when I do that. And I, and I, and I love easing that pain for other people. Fabulous. I, I, I'm not against it being that. It can be whatever it is for you. But the key to finding it is to look into the pain that you want to ease. Yeah. I agree. I agree. It's a it's a powerful tool, and it does it takes a little perspective to see that the right way and understand how to explore and identify those types of things. Um, mm -hmm. And I know you mentioned you had a course coming out. Um, you know your you know fifty thousandth book is coming out soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, At least you didn't exaggerate. That's good. <laughs> um, and you know you're going to be really, I guess, delving into the topic of purpose, and you know everybody talks about this concept and they do align it to passion and you know the mix between skills and gifts and all these things and blah 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 um so you know there's there's a nice perspective that i think um to you're probably going to share through those tools maybe you can just give us a little highlight on why you're creating a book and a course on that um and what's going to make it different like what what what, what should people keep an eye out for yeah that's good thank you so as I said, both the course and the new book are about are about purpose, um, and the purpose is this one red thread, is what the name of the book is. It's this one thread that runs through your life, and it's always there. So at the beginning of the book, I, I give an example, and I, I, want, I want you to imagine 
that you're in a famous art gallery and you walk in, you're surrounded by all this magnificent, beautiful art. And then over on the wall, something catches your eye and it's this magnificent tapestry. And you look at it from where you're standing, you can see that it's got great complexity to it and yet great simplicity. And you walk over to look at it you seem to have every color of the rainbow woven into it. And you see underneath the title of that piece, and it's called One Red Thread. Mm. And the artist explains that this tapestry represents a life, and that life is made up of a million separate little threads. But throughout the tapestry, there is a single red thread that binds the entire piece together from beginning to end. And although that one red thread may rarely be visible, it is always there, and it is what gives it the tapestry, its strength. And so it, the artist then challenges you to find the one red thread of your life because that's not where you will just find success, but it's where you will find fulfillment. Yeah. And that is what the program is about and that's what the book is about. Yeah, it sounds great. I like the analogy. Um, it makes sense. I think there is some kind of, you know, core to who people are. I mean, we grow up and as we get older, we're easily distracted and removed from things. And, you know, I guess it's a process of conditioning. Um, and it's as, and we get to a point where we need help to find ourselves again. Well, I mean, you know, let's face it, Adam, we're all busy and we've all got a lot of pressure and there's all kinds of shit that we've got to do every single day. And on top of that, you know, you got to pay the bills. And on top of that, you got to keep your partner happy. And on top of that, you got kids and, yeah. you know, there's a million things all tugging at you. But to actually take the time to stop and say, what actually fulfills me? Right. That's, that, you know, that seems like, for a lot of people, I get it. It's like the demands of life can seem so much. I'm looking for my purpose can just feel like another, oh, my God, really? I have to do that now? <laughs> it can just seem like too much. It's I true. It. It's true. And we hear that, too. You know, people will say, well, I got, you know, I knew somebody that wanted to start this business. And, you know, so I got two kids and I got this and that and all these things. And I agree. I get it, too. It's just, you know, I, I was talking to someone else and I said, do you believe that those excuses are valid? Do you think that those are just excuses or they're just real life circumstances that prevent people from pursuing a mission, a cause, something fulfilling? And they go, well, honestly, the sad truth is it's not that people don't have time. It's that they are not willing to make the time. Um, and what it means is it's going to be really hard and you're probably going to have to continue to pay those bills, work a job, do those things and work in parallel on something that's really important to you until it gets to a point that you can lean into it a hundred percent. You're absolutely right. There's, you know, the truth of the matter is, I don't care who you are, by the way, the truth of the matter is, there's always going to be a really good reason to not do it. Absolutely. Uh, until you stop and say this to yourself, every reason is an excuse. Until you say that, you ain't going anywhere. Like every that. reason is a really good excuse. And, and the only difference is that the people who are really true to you, not your friends who blow smoke up your ass, but the actual real friends will actually say it's an excuse. Right. And listen, I got plenty of them. I run several businesses. I'm married. I have children. I have grandchildren. I've got a million different excuses to not do it every single day. Yep. And until you decide, it's really important. Now, here's the thing I want you to get. It's only really important when you're either in pain 
or on purpose. That's it. Ta-da! It's the end. That's it. I've just given you everything you'll ever need. It'll only become really important if you're in a massive amount of pain or you're on purpose. That's it. And you know what? I think that's a good point because what people don't realize is they will ask, well, I need motivation. Everybody likes to hear a motivational speech, but it's really, you know, what actually motivates someone to take action, not hearing a speech that doesn't motivate action. And to your point, what motivates action based on, you know, what science will tell you is when the pain of not doing something that you want to do is greater than the pain of uh, doing something. So finally, it's so bad that you're just like, you have to go after after it because you're so miserable. So that it's a very powerful thing that I've learned. And I, I think it can help a lot of people when they just absorb that. I know if I turned, if I turned the, the, the tables on you for a moment yeah. and I said to you, you know, what business are you in today? And you tell me, and I'd say, okay, so what was the actual pain that made you make the decision to walk away from whatever was going on before this yeah. that made you go, this is why I have to do it. And I guarantee, go ahead, yeah, please. (laughs) It was the moment I sat down and said, is this where I want to be in 10 years with my life? Is this who I want to become? And I did not want that. And so it was so painful to think about the fact that if I didn't change my trajectory at that time, that's where I would be. That was painful to me. And I had to pursue something that was more fulfilling because that was where I wanted to ultimately be. There you go. So here's the thing, if you look at anyone, and and as you listen to this right now, I want you to get this. Stop looking around thinking you're gonna get motivated and inspired. You're looking in the wrong direction. Mm. You're looking in a completely wrong, wrong direction. Look at everybody you admire, every entrepreneur that you go, wow, I wish I was like them. And look for their pain story. Yes. Because that's what made them go. You're waiting for a moment to wake up inspired. You're going to watch another video, and you know, uh, and and it's going to be marvelous. And you, you know, and you're going to get out of bed and you're going to be on fire. Bullshit. <laughs> Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to wake up one morning and you're going to want to fucking kill yourself. Or you're going to want to kill somebody else because your life is so freaking miserable that you can't bear it. anymore that's it and that moment is where everything changes listen people talk about about these aha moments you know i had this aha moment let me just tell you (laughs) they don't work we've all had them i used to have a public seminar company people would have an aha moment every 20 minutes and they'd be like oh my god this has changed my life and i'd see them do the same shit 10 years later over and over again aha moments don't matter yeah. I'm going to tell you what matters. Are you ready? Sure. Write it down. You won't like it. It's going to get us a, a, a different certification. But here's what it is. You need a fuck it moment. Yes. Not a moment. It's where you go, fuck it. I can't bear this anymore. Or alternately, there is another version, which is fuck you moment, where they told you you can't do it. And you yes. go, fuck you. Yeah. It's one of the other folks. That's it. Everything else, it's just a game. Everything else is a game. 
It's true, Dov. And I would say, you know, I forget what the actual saying is, but usually the mo- your darkest days will be followed by your brightest days because it's when the pressure gets so intense, you're down to your last thousand dollars in the bank account or less. You can't make your more when things finally get so bad to your point, the pain is so intense that you're backed in a corner and you either take you're going to do drastic steps to actually turn things around, change the course, all these things. And that's where things will start changing for you but people tend to wait until that pain is really really painful the problem is we live in a comfortable world yep and when you get that everything in your life is based around being comfortable Mm. right and so we we do our best to keep things comfortable and isn't that nice and it's great that we're all we're all comfy and we don't want to be uncomfortable But the thing is that nothing changes until you get to a place where it's so uncomfortable that you can't bear it anymore. And when you get there, that honestly is where everything changes. That's where it changes. So, you know, get that. Let me ask comfort you is your enemy. You 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 know you talk about comfort and pain, all these things, and you know they're thrown around a lot, but it's really the context and really understanding what those things mean. And I think we're delving into that right now. And I'm curious, you know, what are some of the? Let's give us a couple highlights of like, you know, how how do you start? I guess shedding light on people in your course to, you know, start thinking about these things. And I always consider, you know, this idea of, you know, you got to dig into your, your darkest corners of your mind about who you are and what's important to you and what frustrates you and, and find those pains. So if the conditions of life are not there yet, you need to think through a process to get there somehow. Yeah. And, and again, it's a very good point because again, most people are, we are all addicted to comfort, particularly in the first world. Yes. We're addicted to we're addicted to comfort and to say. And this is why I said, yeah, I don't guarantee people are going to like this. I, listen, I work with high level people, and when I say that, many of the people I work with are making more money in a month than you would make in a year. You being whoever the listener is. I mean, please get. I don't mean any insult by that. Like they're, they're making extraordinary money. They have fame. They have fortune. So why the hell are they coming to talk to me? Because all that money and all that fame doesn't make them fulfilled. So here's the thing. You, there is a place and, and you know, the research shows it's $70,000, but it's actually not $70,000. It's a $70,000 lifestyle. And what that lifestyle is, is where you don't have to worry about money, whatever that is. So, you know, if you live in Vancouver, where I live, $70,000 will not work. Like you would need vastly more money because, you know, we have the highest housing prices and uh, rentals and all that. So, you know, it's it's prorated to wherever you are. If you live in, in, in Dubai, it won't be enough. But if on the other hand, if you live in Omaha, it's probably going to be plenty of money. So it's not about it's about a lifestyle. So yeah. that place where you are comfortable is not going to be very motivating. It's not going to be. And so you, the, the argument in your head is, why am I so dissatisfied when I've got it all? When I, you know, I can look around everybody, and this is the argument I hear from people, but I don't have any right to complain. Everybody else is, you know, other people are struggling so hard. They can't pay the rent. They can, you know, it's not a thing to do with anybody else. Right. The barometer is not your bank account. The barometer is your soul. Do yeah. you get that? The barometer is not 
your bank account. It's your soul. It's not that you have this marriage that everybody goes, oh, my God, I wish I was married like you and, and had two kids who were going to a nice school and I you know, live in a nice house with a gated community. But you want to kill yourself, not maybe literally, but you just like want to bang your head on the wall just for something to do that actually might bring some feeling to the surface. If you don't have that hunger inside of you, you don't have that desire to get out in the world and shift things, then you know something is missing. And you can distract yourself with a new Mercedes, and you can distract yourself with a new outfit or a new whatever it is, or buying yourself or someone else a new set of tits, but that's not going to fill your soul. No. And that, I, I love that. And I, I love talking <laughs> to people like you who kind of see clarity around these things as well. And, um, you know, to me, I think it, it is important for people to find that discomfort, that pain to step into those things. And that's where the real motivation does come from. And Dob, I'm sure you've done the same. You got several businesses, all these books, you, you know, all this stuff you have going on. You know, the only way to time is the only thing in the world that you can't get more of. And, and the only way you can get more, I always say, is like there's X numbers of hours in a week. And if you want more you have to just you know wake up earlier or work later or whatever it is and you know I was so motivated once I had uh, that just made a decision to change my trajectory I was waking up I was working from Philadelphia I was going to New York every day and I would start my business before I went to on the train to New York and that means I was mm -hmm. waking up at 3 34 o'clock and that's insanity people are still out from the night before but it was my only option and that's what I did but, but there you go. I mean, that, that's exactly the point. People say, I don't have time. Exactly. And I go, okay, so, so where do you spend the time? Exactly. Because, you know, you've you got as many hours in the day as I do, you got as many hours in the day as Gary Vaynerchuk does, you got as many hours in the day as Oprah does, you got as many hours in the day as anybody exactly. you're looking at. You know, none of us get more. Exactly. So the truth of the matter is, is that you justify hours that you spend. So here's the thing about human beings, and you need to know this. We are masterful, masterful at rationalization. Yes. But if you want to understand what rationalization is, it's rational lies. <laughs> we tell ourselves rational lies. Well, I can't do it. Why? Well, because I just don't have enough time. Okay. Uh, how, how, many, how many shows have you binge watched this year? Yeah, exactly. How many of those hours are available to you if it mattered? But you don't understand, Dov. I've got kids and I'm tired. I need that downtime. I get it. I understand. I do too. I need downtime. Yeah. But what you've said is downtime is now more important than doing what it is that you're on, you say you're on fire to do. If you're saying you're on fire to do it, but you're actually watching House of Cards in a binge, then actually it's not. What's more important is for you to binge watch House of Cards or whatever the hell it is that you're watching. And again, I'm not here to judge you for that. That's great. If you want to do that, fantastic. Just stop pissing, moaning, and whining about how you want something else. Right. Because there are lots of things that I say I want in my life, but I'm not doing anything about it. And you know what? I'm good with that because I know it's a fantasy. But the <laughs> things that I want, you know, you talked about me writing my 500th book or whatever it is. <laughs> Every one of those books takes a shitload of time to write, yep. but it matters enough that I am willing to sacrifice sitting down for those hours and watching TV or doing whatever else it is. 
I, 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 yeah, I mean, I love that. And that could be a leisure time as well. I mean, it's all perspective. And I agree that you can't just be work, work, work because you're going to burn out. So it's a holistic approach of, you know, finding the time and dedicating the time you do have uh, for work and, and not even work, but just building in your life, right? The life that you look for. And then you have to, you know, sleep well, you have to eat healthy, exercise and take care of your, your mental game as well as your outer game. So it all works together. So being successful to me includes pursuing your purpose, includes going to the gym regularly, taking care of your physical and includes taking care of your inner game, which is probably the most important because what I've learned is your success on the outside can only go as far as your success on the inside. Definitely agree with that. But I do want to challenge something. Sure. Shoot. And that is, that is this, this idea. And, and this is what will drive you crazy, by the way, folks. This idea of a work-life balance, it doesn't exist. It's horseshit. Yep. So just give it up. It doesn't exist. So stop fighting for it. It doesn't exist and it's causing you enormous amounts of frustration. So let me just explain it to you. I don't know what it is you want to do in your life, but whatever it is that you want to do, whatever it is that you say is important, you will have to be out of, a bal out of balance to get to it. There's no other way. You will have to be out of balance. The reason Adam got up and started work at 3.30 in the morning, there's nothing balanced about that. That's <laughs> completely insane, right? It's nuts. It is. But he wanted it more, and so he had to get out of balance. So if you're trying to say, well, you know, I wanted to, I'm just trying to stay in balance, so I'm going to the gym and I'm doing this. Listen, it's not possible. Get over it. If you want to get to where you want to get to, you will have to be out of balance for a period of time. Can you do it all your life? No. Listen, I used to be a workaholic. I'm not a workaholic anymore. I used to be a workaholic, but I work more hours than I did when I was a workaholic. Because right, people go, well, right, I'm still right. a workaholic. And I go, no. And they go, well, how, what's the difference? Because before I was working. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Now I spend all time doing what it is I absolutely love and adore, and I get paid for it, and it's work, but it, it doesn't feel like work. No, that's not, not true about all of it, right, but of it's course. true of about 75% of it. Right, right. It's not work. I'm I, Like right now, I am working. This is work, but I love what I'm doing right now with you, Adam. This is joy for me. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not hoping that I'm inspiring people and making them look into places they haven't looked and and maybe some of those people will reach out directly to me and want to contact me and have me directly assist them because I do that and that's delightful it's delicious but it's still work but I don't feel like I'm at work right as opposed to doing some shitty job where I'm c confused and I'm frustrated with, with with having to do things that other people want me to do no <laughs> things you don't really care about yeah that is the that is a, a sense of torture to me and and i don't disagree with you like you know ariana huffington says the same thing and she said that in our interview yeah. which is there is no you know real work-life balance it, it's all like at the end of the day you have to sleep you have to eat you have to do certain things and so you have to make time for that stuff and if you want to have like for me Dav, I might have been waking up at 3.30. I would go to sleep at 9 p.m. And I would wait, I'd rather wake up at 9.30 because I work better in the morning. I don't work well right. at night and I recognize that. So that's when I take my time to rest and I take my time to catch up. Otherwise, I can't focus and I can't, you know, so I do the meditations. I do those things and it helps my focus and my energy and all that stuff. So everyone's different to me. And I think you got to work exactly. during your best hours and you got to figure out what works. But set your goals and make sure whatever you got to do to get them done, you're just putting the time. Well, you know, again, you just said something that's 
vitally important for people to get, and that is that you have got to have enough self-knowledge to know what works. So people say to me, are you a morning person or a night person? The answer is yes, <laughs> right? I am a morning person, I'm a night person. I work really great at four o'clock in the morning, four thirty, five o'clock. Yep. Love working at that time, there's no noise, I love it. Mm. I also love working about 11 o'clock at night. I love working at that time, 11 to one. When am I shit? When is it not good for me? Two in the afternoon. I'm European and you know I have that, that, that siesta mindset and I, I, I can work at that time, but I know I'm never gonna be at my peak. Right. And knowing that about yourself, particularly if you're going to be an entrepreneur, knowing that about yourself and working to what works for you. So, you know, for instance, if I go to the gym, I do go to the gym, but if I go to the gym, I've got to go first thing in the morning because I know if I'm not there before seven and done, I'm not going. <laughs> I'm right. going to get busy it's that simple. <laughs> yeah. So I know that about myself. Now, some of my mates go at four in the afternoon. I'm like, you know, if I went in four in the afternoon, A, I would have a shitty workout and B, I would probably not get there. Because I've got too many other things I would that would take priority. Nice. So you've got to know what works. So you got to get. This is part of becoming purpose driven in your life. Is, is listen at the root of it all is self knowledge. Great leadership requires self knowledge, and that means leadership of self first. So you've got to know you. What works for you? What doesn't work for you? Don't use say, well, this works for me when it's actually your bullshit excuse. But find out what really works for you. When are you at your peak? When are you magnificent? Right. And, and if you don't know, by the way, which you might not, ask the people around you. Wait, listen, Bob, you're around me. When do I really seem to shine? When am I, when am I at my best? When do I seem to get most shit done? When do I seem to be yeah. most like yes. on target? Ask people. They'll tell you. They go, oh, you are fantastic at parties. Other people are like, oh, you are terrible at parties. But, you know, <laughs> when you're at a party, you are fantastic. Or some people say, you know, when just being one-on-one with you, that's when you're the best. Oh, I've had lots of talks with you at 11 o'clock at night, and you're just like you're in this stream of consciousness. It's wonderful. Yeah. Find out. Ask people. That's 100% spot on. And people will tell you uh, on a personal note, Adam is most annoying in the morning. <laughs> Because I'm full of energy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like when people say that to me, I hate morning people. Then do not hang around me. Yeah. Because right. I'm Mr. Perky Pants at five o'clock in the morning. I love that. I love that. Um, this is awesome. Um, so, Dove, okay, so I just have two more quick things that are a little more tactical to, to kind of break away from our our conversation about the self and, and, and purpose. Um, you have written a lot of books and I kind of going to yep. lean into that just for us. Do you have a few more minutes? We, we are on our time. Um, is that okay? Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Um, and we talked about earlier on speaking engagements and I see that as an important step to brand, um, you know, personal brand development and letting people know who you are and understand what you stand for, your message, right? And so I think yes. it's important. It's a credibility thing too. So like personal brand equity. And so is writing a book. I mean, you may not get rich off writing books, but there's a lot of value to be, to doing that, even getting speaking engagements because you wrote a book, right? So mm -hmm. I'm curious, what did it take for you? to write your first book and what have you learned since that has made you more efficient that you could share with people who are considering this idea? Good questions. Really good questions. Um, remember the guy I told you about who invited me to speak? Uh, yes. Right. So uh, many years later, he came to visit me in Canada 
um, after I'd left Australia. And um, he came to visit me in 1991. Um, what you may or may not know about me is in 1990, June 1990, I fell off a mountain and got smashed to pieces. I was free climbing and fell the equivalent of 12 stories. Oh, my God. Yeah, so many reconstructive surgeries later. But um, he came to visit me and he said, uh, where's your book? Mm. And I said, what book? And he goes, the book you need to write. And I go, I don't have a book. And he goes, you need one. And I'm like, <laughs> you don't understand, Steve. And he goes, what? I go, um, I go I'm severely dyslexic. I cannot spell. And my grammar makes my spelling look good. Mm. And he said, uh, and he said, you know, there are these little people who live under the bridge. And I go, trolls? And he goes, no, editors, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, you're, he goes, you're a spectacular speaker, so speak and get an editor. That was the beginning. I wrote, an, I wrote uh, that month, I wrote a book of quotes, which was awful because it was grammatically horrible. But I got an editor who helped me. Then I wrote a novella, uh, which is a short novel. I wrote that and got an editor to help me. And it was still pretty awful because it was an amateur editor. Yeah. But since then, I've gone on to write lots of books. And I'm now pretty damn good. And I don't need too much help um, because part of learning is working with a good editor who can help you. But if you're using the excuse of you can't write because you can't spell and you can't use grammar, if you can speak, you can write. Now, mm. having said that, there are lots of people who think they can speak who can't. They're not very good at speaking. There are also people who are very good at writing who should never speak. They're <laughs> awful. And it's like watching paint dry, yeah. and you need some helping to learn how to be a speaker. That's one of the reasons that I have the Authentic Speaker Academy for Leadership. I teach people how to speak uh, because speaking authentically is powerful. When it comes to writing, though, instead of instead of you've probably got a million ideas about what to write about. Yeah. But think again back to what is the problem I solve or want to solve and in the context of what is the pain I want to alleviate. Because one of the things I found, and again, I have a process that I teach people about how to write a book, but I want to give you the sort of quick view of it, if, yeah, if I may, yeah. that is going to help people. So number one, what's the problem I want to solve? That's the title of your book, right? It's not the title. It's a working title. Yeah. So the problem I want to solve is pick something, Adam. Um, let's just make something up. Um, how sure. to be how to be a professional uh, speaker? Since we were talking about that. Sure. So the problem I want to solve is uh, how to be a professional speaker. Overcoming so stage fright. There you go. Right. So the pain is stage fright. Right. So I go. Okay. The pain is stage fright. That's okay. So now we've got a working title, and overcoming stage fright is actually a very good title. Anyway, because lots of people would buy it. So we go, okay, good. Now, <clears throat> I say to you this. What are the three main things everybody struggles with in, in context of stage fright? And you would give me those three things. And then I, you'd write those down. And I go, okay, what are the three things that everybody needs to know that they probably don't know about speaking on stage? So you write those down. So you've got three things that everybody struggles with who goes through stage fright, and you've got three things that everybody needs to know that they probably don't know. Right. So you get those down. And now I go, with each of those three things, can you tell me three things about each of the three things? <laughs> Unpack it more, yeah. 
unpack it more. Now what you've got is you've got three with three of each, so that's nine, plus three and three of each, which is again another nine. So you've got 18 short chapters. Congratulations, you got an outline for a book. There you go. I love it. Simple philosophy and, and it just digs deep into a core idea. And if it's addressing a pain point, you should be able to uh, get some traction on that. And here's the other piece. If, if you're not an expert, find experts. So let's say you wanted to write that book that we just said. Then you, you, you contact, and it's never been easier than it is now. You reach out and you go, hey, Dolph Brennan, you are uh, cited twice by Inc. Magazine as one of the top 100 leadership speakers in the world. I would like from, would, I'm writing this book on how to come overcome stage fright. Would you be willing to give me two or three quick tips that um, you can, I can, I can interview you or you can write them down as you prefer about how to overcome stage fright? I go, of course, I'd happy to do that. Will you be citing me in the book? They go, yes. Will you give my contact information and my website? They go, yes. I go, absolutely do it. And then, then you say to me, well, do you know anybody else who might be Well, I'm a speaker. Who the hell do you think I know? I know speakers. <laughs> of course, I'm going to recommend another three speakers to you who are wonderful, kind, generous people. And so now you're citing three, four, five experts in your book. And because we're in your book, when your book comes out, do you think we'll say, oh, you should read Adam's book? Mm-hmm. Of course I will, because I'm in it. Exactly. So here's a way to make your book a bestseller. Here's a way to cite the authority of others. And to, and to leverage yourself into expertise. Yeah, I think that is perfect, man. I love that. It's, it's not overcomplicated. It makes sense. And um, I think almost anybody can put a little time in and get it done. Oh, they can stay home and binge watch a TV show. <laughs> well, the other thing I've heard is, you know, going. you mentioned Gary Vee earlier. And he's like, people say, hey, I love your book. And he's like, he's like shit, I, I didn't write that book. He's like... Uh, I had a ghostwriter put it together, but I know I needed a book. And the only thing I'm good at is walking around and I can sit there with a stream of consciousness and speak into a, a recorder for 90 minutes and hand it off or whatever, <laughs> you know, and then that's it. So, right. and, and, I, and, I, and I want to address that because I remember the hangups around that, that I had. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I, I take a little bit of an offense at Gary saying he had a ghostwriter. He did not have a ghostwriter. There are ghostwriters, I know, because I know some of them very well. And a ghostwriter will talk to you for half an hour on the phone and say, what's your premise? And you'll tell them, and they will write a book. That's not what Gary does. What Gary does is he has somebody who collects all of the stuff that he said, and they put it into logical process, into chapters. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So what what they're called is, and that's called a developmental editor. Now, uh, some people need a some people need a ghostwriter because they just don't know how to put anything together, um, and they don't have anywhere to go. I have friends who do that for a living, and they get paid a, between ten and twenty five thousand dollars to write a book for you, and they literally wrote the book, and they tell you what's in the book, and they let you read the book, and then it becomes your book, right. and that's what they do. And then there's developmental editors who take all of your stuff and make make it have a logical flow and make sense. Gary is a brilliant man who knows his stuff and somebody organizes that for him because here's the thing, Gary knows the value of his time and that's not the greatest value of his time. So now we're back to time again. Yep. Know where your time is best spent. Gary's time is not best spent in writing books. Gary's time is best spent in stream of consciousness, 
talking about what he needs to talk about, and then handing that off to the person who can do it, who loves doing it, who's excited about doing it. Right. I agree 100%. You got to uh, lean into what you're good at and know where you save your time and where to let others help you. So, Absolutely. Dom, I'm going to uh, close out here. I've taken enough of your time, and I really appreciate it. It was a fun conversation. Um, why don't you give yourself a shout-out? How do people learn more about what you're doing? How do they get in touch with you? Like, When is your stuff coming out so they can engage? Let's, let's do all that. Thank you, Adam. I really appreciate it. Thank you for the opportunity. Sure. So <clears throat> the bottom line is if you want to find out about me, just go to full MontyLeadership.com. Full Monty, like a movie. FullMontyLeadership.com. There you can find access to my blog. There's 400 plus articles on there. My podcast, which is close to 500 um, episodes on there, is there as well. Um, there's other great leaders who write for us. We have 75,000 new eyeballs on there every single month. You can find all those ways to book me as a speaker, bring me in as a consultant. All those are on there on that site. Also, you can find me on YouTube, Dove Baron Full Monty Leadership. You can find me on uh, LinkedIn, Dove Baron D O V B A R O N. On Twitter, at the Dove Baron. On uh, Instagram, Dove Baron Leadership. Uh, as I said, I write for fifteen different outlets. But here's the thing: if you are committed, not interested. You're committed <laughs> in finding your purpose. Don't give a crap if you're interested. I'm, I'm interested in all kinds of stuff. I'm never going to do anything about. But if you are actually dedicated and you want somebody who will stand in the corner and fight for you, somebody who will have your back, somebody who will push you to places you've never been before to have extraordinary outcomes beyond anything you've ever imagined, if you're committed to that, then write to me, dov, D-O-V, at dovbaron.com, dov at dovbaron.com. That's my personal private email. Now, by the way, I'll tell you, I give this out and you'd be shocked at how few people write to me because most people are chicken. They'd rather watch, they'd rather binge watch the show and that's okay. Again, no judgment on you. Whatever you want to do is cool. Just don't bitch, moan and complain that you're not getting there. If you really want to get there and you want somebody who can take you to places you've never even dreamed were possible, my clients will often say to me, I never even dreamed this was possible for me. And these are people who are already successful. They go, wow, I can't believe I'm here. This is awesome. This is my life is on fire. That's reach out to me. I'm happy to help you. I love helping, working with guiding the people who are committed to living their purpose and making a difference in the world. Love it. Thank you so much, Dob. Appreciate your time and all the great work you're doing. Uh, let's stay in touch. You're very welcome. And again, look out for one red thread. That's the new book. And you'll also find out about my purpose on there. Uh, my purpose, new purpose course, and you can find out more about me on Facebook too with access to all of those. Awesome. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right, we'll talk soon. That's Bye. all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. Yeah.